It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Here we go. The final week of the regular season is already upon us. Today, I uh, we call our newspaper budget Prepper for old reasons, and I laid out what the page in the paper will be for the entire rest of the season, Joe. It's uh, about a little, little less than a month uh, left to go. Are you ready for this stretch run? Yeah, this week is weird. Did it this right last two weeks end with a thud more than other years? And you remember, it seems like even teams have kind of fizzled out. Um, Just as soon as the seeds came out, those games boom, flat. Yeah, that, that's uh, just my take on scores and the games I watched. It's something I have long complained about. I, I don't, I mean, you probably, I've probably had many takes about I don't see what the point is of releasing them. Um, when they do, I think they should wait a week. But anyway, yeah, I totally agree. Um, luckily, this week has, you know, the MSL title game. Just, I feel like this is one of the better last weeks, actually, in recent memory. Because we've got, I've got something like interesting each day. That's usually not the case. Like today we've got, you listen to this, it's already over. But there's a huge Catholic League conference game with Mount Carmel and DePaul. Tuesday, we get to see if Beecher can complete an undefeated regular season 30 wins Wednesday we've got the MSL title game and the CSL title game um Thursday and Friday aren't super great but there are some conference championship type games so I think it's it's better than some which have been yeah really bad but you know no there's no doubt I talked to the kids about it at Glenbrook South you know on Friday and they're like yeah it's kind of tough once you see that road um and, and I will say you know I've complained about the public league teams you know not playing their schedule out um, I just counted. I think it was like nine teams only played eight conference games, but I just heard from a suburban team. That's not going to play a game this week between two Sh- ranked teams. Shutting it down. Yeah. Didn't want to risk any more injuries. Obviously a non-conference or a, no, con- no. It's like, a conference game between two ranked teams, a conference game between two ranked teams in the suburbs. And they're not playing. Yep. At least that's the word right now. Hmm. Which to me, that's like, sounds like a, a first, right? I don't remember. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I mean, it's very publicly. That's been happening for a while. Um, it's a team that's experienced a lot of injury troubles this year. And they're like, ah, well, I don't know why. Whatever. It's Bloom. Bloom does, might does... not play rich. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of injuries, want me to take my take? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> my, I don't even. It's not even a take, Mike. It's a continuation of uh, a topic that I don't know if you and I just talked about or texted about. But I don't. Now, there's no statistical data that I have, but I don't remember ever having a season that's been impacted so greatly by absences of top players or teams, top teams missing key players. And maybe it didn't alter their seasons. It's not none of these are season ending as of right now. Uh, but I went through the list of how many top teams and how many top players 
missed action this year. And it was, you know, pretty startling. It would only, you know, I would only be doing this if I, if it came to my attention. So I'm thinking about other years where, when did it ever come to my attention? Yeah. Maybe we lost a player or two, but I mean, if you go through the list, Mike, you know, Downers Grove North played a nice little chunk without Jack Stanton. We know the importance that he has on that team, uh, maybe as much as any single player you could argue. You know, DePaul is just a common trend. They play without starters all the time. Last year they did it. They're doing it again this year, uh, where they have missed multiple players for long stretches. Whitney Young was out in Antonio Munoz, uh, Mount Carmel. Uh, they played at least two weeks without their star, Angela Shervino, and then uh, Lee Marks has been out. You know, Glenbrook North dealing with Josh Fridman's injury. Bennett's been without Blake Fekpemi. Joliet West missing McNair. Uh, Niles North, I think Yarby was missing time. Hyde Park with Baldwin recently. Cam Mercer, their second leading scorer. He's been out for Riverside Brookfield. Scantleberry for Lane. Um, A.J. Abrams for Eisenhower. Uh, Bloom, we just talked about. I have, I'm not going to keep going, but I have nine more that I came up with. These are the ones I actually texted you, Mike, but there's like nine more, uh, 10 more that I have that, you know, significant injuries, multiple weeks, multiple games. And I just don't recall that I've ever seen it uh, at this magnitude. So thankfully, most of these guys are back and, um, because Hyde Park's uh, Gerald Baldwin's back, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's back. Uh, yeah, I think the Bloom, Elijah Allen, you know, they became kind of a upper-level team with him. You know, we didn't see him coming. He was He's a rebounder, quick leaper, and you know, they just have not been able. Uh, I mean, there's no team that could really replace that this year, so that, that's really set them back, and he's been out for the year, um, so that's been rough. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I, I just remember, like, the big ones, like Bobby Frazier missing, like, two months. His senior year was tough and Jabari Parker um, injuries. But yeah, like those are different years, you know, not all, not all together. That, that's a, a massive list uh, of people. And I don't, I, there's no reason, I guess, for injury. No well, rhyme well, or reason. Well, but is there? Or, and that's what I'm asking. The more games. Is this impacting things? I didn't know if more games were sandwiched than, the, than, the, than they had the break with the, the, I guess most of them happened before they piled up all these games because of snow and cold. It's just interesting to me that I, well, the other part of it is a lot of them kind of persevered. You know, Downers North did pretty well when Stanton was out, and Mount Carmel's for the most part, you know, they played their toughest games, and you know he was hobbled. You could tell when sides collide against Kenwood, uh, but yeah, I just you know it's just it's just it just popped in my head and, and uh, I started going through the list of teams and players that I knew and wow, it's kept adding up. So yeah. And Morris Johnson's played the whole year with a big swollen finger. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He's just kept going through it. Um, my, uh, I didn't know which order to do these, but my first take, I guess they're both positive. So we'll do both positive. Um, And this is kind of, I'm a little surprised by how many people were at the city championship game. On Saturday, it was packed. Um, there is there was not much star power there. Uh, not, not two like super highly ranked teams. It, it was a real testament, I think, to two things. Um, the first, obviously, Chicago's basketball fans. 
Uh, they came out and not just for the last game, not just for the boys or plenty of people there for the girls. But I mean, there were hundreds of people in the upper deck at UIC. And, you know, that's really the um, kind of the measuring stick. You know, <laughs> if it's always pretty good in the lower deck. But when you get a lot of people in the upper deck, you know that um, think things have gone well. And you, know, you had, you know, the mayor's there, which has become sort of a tradition. And Lori Lightfoot was there. The, ex, the former mayor was there. I mean, it, it was you know, a, a real event. And I, I think kudos to the basketball fans, but also kudos to CPS. And I, I don't know if people are tired of hearing me talk about the new CPS administration, but a lot of this is because of them. They have made it easy for people to find out when it is, where it is, how to buy tickets. There's a website that works. Uh, people now know it's been, you know, established at UIC. I've not heard any fans complain about UIC. It seems to win for everybody, you know, it's an easy in and easy out centrally located for everybody. And it's after so many years of back and forth and not knowing where things were and what was going on. I think the real benefit of this steadiness is that we were able to see a big crowd like that for a game that, you know, it wasn't the sexiest high school basketball city championship matchup you've ever seen. And, and that really says a lot um, for Chicago and for the current um, sports administration. Yeah, having a location that everybody identifies with helps. Centrally located, you mentioned. And yes, the mayor not only was there, I, I took the game on TV and uh, he was the analyst the entire game. Yeah, how was uh, it? I kept meaning to ask on Twitter, people. How was it? I, he, his his work wasn't too bad. He didn't have a whole lot of, obviously, background research of the teams and players, but the in-game analysis was, was fine for a, a mayor. He might know also his kid goes to Kenwood, so he might know more about the Kenwood kids than we do. Yeah. So, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, my second take is, you know, it's about the brackets for me when it, when they come out and you just dive into them, you analyze them, you, you look at who has tough roads, who has an opportunity for me, it's my take, the opportunity to do some things that, and I mean big things that have never been done before. And as I really started breaking down the sectionals and then you don't really, I mean, you have an idea of the path that they're taking and the, the, the you know, the assignments for each sectional and, but you don't really kind of analyze it the way you do until you actually have the bracket. And when I started looking at the brackets and one and four, a the Addison trail sectional, and the main south sectional, you know, you, I, I guess what I'm saying is before the brackets come out, you just kind of look at the sectionals. You don't kind of go behind that where you see them, who they match up with in the super too much. But I, I look, Mike, and Addison Trail sectional is not the strongest sectional to begin with. So there is going to be a team that gets out of there and puts themselves one game from playing in the IHSA state finals. You know, right now on paper, Lake Park and York. And that would be a first time ever for Lake Park. They're the number one seed. I don't, I should double check. I just assumed I've never, ever, ever heard Lake Park. They've never been in the state finals, right? Um, Loyola is the number one seed at Maine, uh, Maine South. Yeah. Maine South. I looked and I knew it was in the 70s. 1976, they made it. Lost in the state quarterfinals. But then you go be even deeper in that sectional. And I think both of us agree that that sectional is 
pretty wide open. I think most of the coaches uh, believe there's there's not a juggernaut in there. Some of those teams have struggled. Some of them are facing injury. We're talking about the New Triers, the Glenbrook Souths, the Evansons, the Niles Norse. And, uh, you know, my, my take is, yes, Loyola is the one seed. They could very well win that sectional and put themselves in a position in a very, very winnable super sectional to get to something they haven't done in since the 70s. But, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if a Niles North got hot. They're the – well, let's see there. I think five, six, there's a five. five. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Niles North won that sectional. Would you? No, not at all. I think man for man, they have the most talent. So now you're putting Niles North in that super sectional, which, again, Lake Park's a nice team. York has got some talented uh, at the top of their roster. I, I just – they're not un- – they're far from unbeatable, is my point. And yet, whoever's in that game, this is my point, has a clear shot to get to to, to Champaign and, and be a team that no one who has gone to the state tournament for years and years and years has seen. Now, maybe a new trier gets it together and you know there's some familiarity because they've been there recently. But... Uh, and barring a new Trier run or I guess Glenbrook North was there in the Shire years. So that's still now 20 years ago, but it, it, it's an opportunity uh, to go through those two sectionals, make history and do something uh, their schools just have never done before. And and it's right there. And you could talk about it during the preseason. You could talk about it during the season, but man, once the brackets are out and we are now a week or two away from it all getting going, it is really easy to see, uh, and it's almost like you could. T- those schools should be able to taste it, the opportunity to to get there and and to showcase something that you know their basketball programs uh, never have now, or, or at least in a long time. Now, Nutria could steal all that, get hot, <laughs> yeah. shoot it well, and get back to because Ch- it wouldn't shock me either if if Nutria did make it back to Champaign in this road that they have. Yeah, we've got um, well. Glenbrook South coach Phil Ralston on Friday, the way he described it was that everyone in the main South, all the top teams are, they're all flawed teams. <laughs> and I think that was pretty good description. You know, pretty much all of them are a step below where they were last year. Um, and maybe even the last few years. And I wonder, you know, new Trier's lost three out of their last five. Um, there seems they're part of a group of teams that have kind of hit this wall. It feels yeah, to me. Yeah, and Glenbrook North with the injuries. In February. Uh, Bennett, uh, Nequa Valley. Um, there's a lot of teams that were solidly ranked all year that have just hit a wall. And I don't know, have they just crumbled now? Or are we going to see when the playoffs hit, you know, they turn things around? But it, it, it's I could probably list almost 10 teams that I feel like are, are in this group. Um, it's made the rankings difficult recently because they're teams I kind of believe in. But based and, on their results. Yeah. And yeah. then meanwhile, Glenbrook South, you just mentioned, they're probably maybe Niles North, but they're probably the hottest team going in. They've got some nice wins down the stretch. They've beaten Nutria. They've beaten Evanston. They've beaten Nequa Valley. They've beaten Rolling Meadows. So, you know, they're about eight, nine, and two in their last 10, 11 games with those wins I just mentioned. So they are peaking. They are coming together. And it's funny. I guess it wouldn't be funny for them, but those Glenbrook South teams that were so good yeah, uh, with the Martinelli's yeah. couldn't get out of a sectional and then COVID 
hit the one year. I mean, I think they were no, they lost that sectional. Um, and and this is the team that maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be, that right. would be something. And you know, for all, we're talking about Niles North, and I'm, I'm gonna go see them this week. I think because um, I'm interested to check them out again. But I don't think anybody they're gonna open at Oak Park against Oak Park. They they could lose in the first round, and it wouldn't be a, a shock. So yeah, it's gonna yeah, be yeah. The, the, the miss the biggest worst geographical representation in any sectional, I think, is just Oak Park plucked out of the western suburbs and thrown to the North Shore. Just I think I brought that up when they all came out, but just a weird, weird fit. Yeah, and it's boy, what if the provisos were having a year? You know, the proviso east down a little bit this year, although we don't know a ton about them. They've been a kind of a strange team to follow. You know, they're hanging out in that Addison Trail sectional, and normally that would be their, you know, world um, that they'd be dominating. So it'd be interesting to see if they can come through or if any of those other teams, you know, like you mentioned, York or Batavia can get on a run. You know, even Glenbard North, you know, they've had some highs this year, and they're they're a competitive team, and they could easily. Oh, you know, yeah. I, t- I mean, I talked about Lake Park and York, but my, my I looked at, I'm going to pull it back up because I was, Prepping for a similar story, but yeah, oh, it, it, so Lake Park is three and zero against Glenbard North and York, but I think it's by a combined like yeah I don't have right for like eight or nine points. So it's, I mean, this sectional doesn't you know scream uh, you know tough to get through, but I, I just think it is a team though that or a, a sectional that presents an opportunity for those teams. Yeah, no, I even got a message. Um... Geneva knocked off who was in that Edison Trail when they knocked off Crystal Lake South this weekend and they're 11 and 3 in and I had not noticed this you know somebody reached out to me Geneva's 11 and 3 in the new year and they just beat a ranked Crystal Lake South team that had you know really kind of dominated that area so yeah going to be a really fascinating sectional to keep an eye on uh, both of those but um Edison Trail could give us a new name my second take um Sorry, Mike Irvin, but the public league is down. <laughs> Mike Irvin went out of his way to mention after the was the semifinal that the public league's not down. I think that's insane. Everybody knows it's down. Um, TV broad TV broadcast also said it's not down. Yeah, <laughs> but I next year I, I was looking ahead a little bit, and I think um, you know we haven't talked about Phillips much in the podcast. I was out there. I don't know what was it January? No, might have been late December. I don't know. I, I saw him a couple times. One of those was Curie's absolute thwack thrashing of them at Phillips. Um, they've been up and down since then made a nice run in the city title, a city tournament, and they only start one senior. Everybody else is younger. They got a big man. that's a sophomore. Uh, EJ Horton's been getting some college people excited. And so you've got a team that, you know, made it all the way to the semifinals with just one senior starter. Well, I don't know if you know, if you noticed, I, I tweeted about it. They made it to the sophomore city title game. They lost to Curie, but that team was almost all freshmen. So Phillips burgeoning young program that Paris Martin has going. You know, the, the football program there took a hit when they lost some funding through this AUSL program that, that pulled out of the CPS stuff. But uh, they, they built a beautiful gym, a beautiful facility with a training room. Clearly, that has allowed Phillips to attract some players because they're stocked up here on both levels right now. So that's going to be something to watch, but they're not alone. Um, Lincoln Park, I've talked about them a lot all year. They only started one senior, have a lot of people back. 
So I, I think you're looking at a, a solid core of teams ranked in the preseason next year with uh, likely Phillips and Lincoln Park, almost for certain Young and Simeon and Kenwood. Um, so that's going to be the same as this year. We had five ranked in the preseason this year. Now, the elite, not really there. You know, maybe Kenwood, maybe Simeon, maybe Young, depending on you know how things go. So it's not going to be back to the previous levels of domination anytime soon, barring a bunch of transfers or something. But the flip side is it's not fallen off the cliff, um, which I think a lot of people wondered about, um, especially after this, the way things looked this week. But I think there's enough young new programs coming up that it's going to be about the same maybe as this season, hopefully a little deeper, hopefully the teams I don't know about, like, you know, some interesting things going on at crane, you know, maybe they'll be better than people think up in the red, maybe some other, you know, people will move from the noble schools over who knows. But I, basically my point is keep an eye on Phillips. They're a rising program. And I think we'll, the CPS will stay stable and we'll see if they can add any talent. Yeah, I'm sure there won't be much much movement. <laughs> God, I heard I heard one rumor I shouldn't be mentioned. I didn't mention it to you, Joe, but it was not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I hope so because it's needed. Uh, hey, we're just gonna this episode, this this podcast, we're gonna dive into some teams and players and just kind of a a catch all in a lot of different things. One, maybe. You know they're they're not expected to have a big week next week necessarily. There might be a lower seeded team, but yet they've had terrific years. They've they they put together some milestones, accomplishments. Um, some of these players, you know, maybe they're not in position to have deep deep you know state playoff runs due to you know the road that they have upcoming. So we're gonna just kind of hit on some of these and. Uh, I'm going to, you know, Mike and I just came up with a short list and, you know, one of them that we're going to start with And again, these are teams that we probably haven't talked about much, if at all, this season or some cases. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think they, they, they deserve some attention and, and I'm going to start with Fenton, Mike Fenton, you know, last year they, they broke a school record with wins, 24 wins. They've already broken that record this year in the regular season with 26 wins you know, and I, I look, there's been some futility uh, in the postseason with Fenton. Two regional titles in over 70 years. Uh, the last one came, you know, like uh, I think it was 13, 12, 13 years ago, and it was an 11 and 20 team. But, you know, we've got a team that's 26 and four, 16 and one in the league. You know, they host the regional, and it's just going to be interesting to see if. You know, if they can keep it going, it, it, they'll play a Niles-Notre Dame or, or maybe an Antioch in the regional final. Notre Dame, there's a schedule strength difference. Notre Dame will be ready. They've played some tough teams, uh, some very good teams, very tough. So that's going to be a, you know, even though it's a potential 4-5 or five game, I would probably say Notre Dame might be, you know, it's a toss-up as a 4-5 or five game is. But that's just one team. Yeah, credit to Chaz Taft, who's really turned a program around that I rarely ever thought about, and Alejandro Diaz. He became, I think, just this last game, the leading scorer in school history. He is a senior guard, a 4.2 GPA. I like it when they have the GPA on the Twitter, Joe. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a huge accomplishment. Not too many people around become the all-time leading scorer in their school history. I think Nikwa had it this year, right, with Kincaid? Yep. Uh, taking over for Pulakitas. 
But uh, yeah, very, you know, Fenton, man. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have never even seen a Fenton basketball game and quite a nice two-year run for them. Yeah, speaking of a all-time leading scorer, Braden Carlson at Wakanda. Now, Wakanda has not had the year, at least I expected. Uh, they, you know, I, I think I wrote about them in like a preseason thing where I... Were they most improved? Were they on your most improved? I, I think they were on a fearless prediction of winning their first sectional. Whoa. And now it was kind of dumb because <laughs> the, you know, I didn't anticipate such some movement with the sectionals, but the sectional they were in and what was coming back and Braden Carlson. But the point is Braden Carlson, Wakanda, he's the all-time leading scorer. He scored over 1,600 career points. He's a division one recruit headed to Mercer. I don't think we've talked much about him at all. Wakanda's, you know, had their struggles a little bit, but uh, he's averaging, look at these numbers, Mike, 23.2 points per game, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, and he's a big-bodied guard who can really score the basketball and has had a brilliant career and obviously leaves his mark as the all-time leading scorer at Wakanda. They, uh, lot, they, I believe the conference championship was on Friday. It was Wakanda-Antioch. Um, Antioch beat him by two. Um, they held Carlson actually to 13 points, I think. It is the first conference championship for Antioch in guess how long, Joe? 37 years. Even longer. 42. 43 years. Oh, I wasn't too far off. 1981 uh, state team. Antioch went to state, huh? I didn't know that either. Yeah, this is all from uh, Sean Connor, the coach out there. Um, what year? 1981. Yeah, I, I don't remember that, but yeah, it's the con- first conference championship in 43 years. I guess they have to beat Round Lake on Tuesday to clinch. Oh, so. Antioch ran into the one of the greatest teams in state history. <laughs> oh, really? Quincy. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Absolutely <laughs> annihilated in the <laughs> state quarterfinals, 75 to 50. Uh, yeah. Um, speaking of conference championships. To, let's see, it's Monday. The well, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, there I believe it's Tuesday night. The South Suburban Red, I think Eisenhower and Oak Lawn are scoring off. I, I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday night. Yeah. A, uh, Eleven and one. Am I? I, I don't want to be misrepresented. Is it Tuesday night? I'm checking right now. Are they even playing? Maybe I screwed the whole thing. Oak Lawn at Eisenhower. Tuesday at 6.30, because I thought about going to it. Yeah, I like so, this year. Yeah. yeah, Eisenhower, 23-6. and six. Now, I can't remember this, Mike. I know we talked about it way back in November. A.J. Abrams, right? Injury. Thanksgiving, right? Didn't he go down with an injury? He we got thought... hurt in the very first game I was there. And we thought he was going to be out for a long time. Yes. He's come back. He's surpassed 1,000 career points. But Eisenhower is in position here, a team that, now I remember back when I was, like, well, I was in high school, my senior year. Drennan Jones, at, uh, I believe he was Eisenhower, right? Anyway, um, yeah, that great season, twenty three wins. Now, unfortunately, you know the road is going to be tough in um, state tournament time. Uh, yeah, they run into HF, HF um, quickly. But you know what? Looking at this, it's very possible that three of those losses were without. Abrams. Yeah, I can't remember when he came back. Definitely the Maris loss, which is the first game, and the other two were the next week. Wow. So they might be like 
with them only have one loss. Twenty three and one with them. Yeah. So yeah, that that's very interesting. Um, How they do? I mean, they played Brother Rice tough, eighty to seventy one. Um. Oh, they played H. Oh, they played HF. Yeah. Eighty-eight, fifty-six. Ouch. So we'll see. You know, but uh, nonetheless, they've had a terrific year. Another another team who is having the best season they've had in years is Leiden. Uh, they are. But well, we'll hit two teams here. Both Leiden and Downers Grove South, two teams that are in the uh, West Suburban Gold. Downers Grove South won it. 21 and seven overall Downers Grove South is now Zach Miller took over the program five wins year one uh 10 wins year two 20 wins this year surpassed 20 wins you know Jalen House and Justin Civiteris uh Keon Maggot they they have put themselves you know right back in the conversation finally after about a you know six seven year absence of being relevant they've had some great years over the years uh, if you go back in history, but it's been a while. And that deep and loaded sectional at East Aurora, I think they're the 10th or 11th seed. So it's it, it might be tough for them to get out of that uh, regional. But great, great season from Downers Grove South. And then Leiden, most wins, Mike, since how many years you think they've won? It's been since they've won this many games. You know, they had that one team under Ken Davis. But. We already mm-hmm. talked about this. You said it was yeah. 94, 95. Yeah. So 94, that team didn't 95. manage yep. it. Yeah. 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 So it's the most wins they've had uh in a number of years. And and they're another one that's gonna have a tough road come state tournament time as well, uh, to get, you know, to secure a regional title. But just two teams that in that West Suburban that you know, the West Suburban Silver's been the dominant talk with Lombard West over the years, and then last year was just loaded with Hinsdale Central, Downers North, LT. This year, obviously, Downers Grove North. So the West Suburban gold is kind of falling by the wayside a little bit. Uh, but two teams with over 20-plus wins. Yeah, and one of them is not Morton, which obviously we've not talked about them all year. They're 3-23, and 23, mm. which is their worst year since 95. I just looked, and Tony Martinucci's kept that program at a – you know, the, the floor has been very high and Morton over the last 20 years, frankly. Yeah. I, I, they had one rough year in there, but I'm looking at it now. I mean, this is kind of a shocking um, fall for them. I've not seen Morton this year. Um, well, and, and you look at back to the Downers Grove South, they are a 10 seed. So poor Nequa Valley is a six seed, a six seed playing a 21 or a 22 win team in the regional semifinal. And then Downers Grove South, if they were to able to, you know, knock off Nequa, they would get a shot at Downers Grove North. And they play and they and they play them really tough back in yeah. back in December. That would be interesting if those two collided again, obviously uh, uh district town rivals, but I am uh, I'm ready, Joe, for some wild playoffs. Yeah, I, I I hope we're not disappointed. Uh you know, I, 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 another team we wanted to hit quick here is is Niles West, and both you and I agree. You saw a classic when Niles West played Niles North, like triple overtime. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and I've had my eye, and I've written. I remember writing about him last year as as a sleeper that no one knows and talks about, and that's Davy Flowers, the senior guard, Niles West. 
uh, as just quietly, he is a stat sheet stuffer. Mike, here, here, here's the numbers he's got. Over 15 points a game, 15.4 points per game, 7.4 rebounds a game, 3.6 assists, two steals. He is third all-time, going to be an up, an, as the third all-time leading scorer in school history. He's over 1,300 points. Uh, the they can make a get to that regional championship game. He could possibly push towards uh, 1,400 career points. He's got a school record for steals. He'll finish top three in program history in assists and rebounds. That that's an impressive package of of some stats uh, for for Davy Flowers, who really hasn't been talked about too much, flown under the radar, and has put together a a really nice season for a team that. You know, they're an eight seed. They've got 20 wins. They want to crack at the number one seed. And again, Loyola is very good. They are sound. They are they, they are the one seed. Uh, but definitely a tricky, tricky game for a one seed to have to play Niles West and Davey Flowers. Boy, the um, when I was out, you know, in CSL Southland on Friday, that's the night Loyola lost um, to De La Salle. And Boy, did that score reverberate through a CSL South gym. <laughs> They're like, really? <laughs> Days after the seeding meeting, it was uh, mm. did, did not go over real well down there. Um, Davey Flowers, yeah, he's kind of kid. I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know, what, four or five years from now, he's at some college everybody's heard of doing something. To me, he's the kind of kid, you know, probably hurt a lot by freshman year with COVID, not getting a full regular season. And because um, there, there's some stuff there. I, I was. He, he was better, much better than I expected um, when I went out to see him for sure. Uh, Mike yeah, Wazalewski doing a nice job at Niles West. They, they, they've been yep. had a fun year. Well, Joe, it's uh, got a few minutes here. I, I what do you, I guess I'm going to go to Beecher. If you're here, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it's happening tonight. They uh, host St. Anne. I was kind of hoping it was at St. Anne since I've never been there and the Beecher gym's not great, but. Going for their 30th win and an undefeated regular season. Uh, do you see any way St. Anne comes up with the upset, Joe? Do you even know what their record is? Since I couldn't name a player uh, or I know their record. On St. Anne, you're going to go with Beecher? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Beecher. You don't think uh, that the pressure... I, I'm, is... I'm, I'm more interested in Beecher's road in the state tournament. Have you looked or broken down your uh, Beecher boys? Road? I have not, but I should. Uh, be, uh, 15 and 12 is St. Anne, so they're not bad. But yeah, I think Beecher will take it on. I feel bad. Do you think, what's your take on, I've had gotten some criticism the last two weeks because I have not added Beecher to the rankings. Um, I would have, but I, I there wasn't like a, like that spot. Sometimes I'll just shove somebody in at 25 to give them some recognition, but that hasn't been like possible. Don't they have to have one win that kind of resonates? Do they have a, a win that? Generally you do, but not once you're 29 and 0. Sometimes that'll just be enough for me, you know, yeah. in your world um, that I would have shoved them in, but I wasn't able to. Um, and, you know, to me, they're a little bit more than some teams small because Aiden McGinley, I think, is very good. Um, I think they've got a solid, a really solid player. So to me, they're more like those Seneca teams with like the Seth Evans kid and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, who could yeah. really play. So, so I think that'll help them in the playoffs for sure. They're going to be... Um, Looks like West, Westmont or Joliet Catholic they'll get in the regional final. Yeah, and Carver's going to be no pushover in that 
first game, I'm guessing. Um, So, I mean, Julia Catholic has really, they've done some business (laughs) since these uh, in four-class basketball. They've been in sectional finals. Yeah, they always have like nine wins and go to a section. Yes, yeah. So uh, that you're right. That could be a real. That could be trouble. <laughs> I don't know anything about Westmont. They're the higher seed. But then when you get through there, um, then we get into. I don't foreign, know foreign territory for me. Every, it's all the teams they've been beaten all year. Once you're through that, it's the Hersher. It's the Bismarck yeah, Henning Mantino. Yeah, yeah. These are the teams. So that's their world. If they can get out of, if they can beat the Joliet Catholic Carver things. I think they're just with the teams they've been beaten up on for two years. Um, so I think they're good. And then Clifton Central, this is two way we're talking about everybody. Oh boy, Clifton Central goes up against the Corliss sectional. So that would be Phillips. Hmm. That's tough. I- I feel like a bystander right now. So a Phillips uh, Beecher. I'm, 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 I'm super for the two A. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? Would you go to a Phillips Beecher super sectional at, um, Oh, at Joliet central <laughs> Phillips versus Beecher. This is the old or route. Um, so Minoc field crest is ranked seventh in class two a 24 and one. And they would meet them in the sectional, sectional final. final. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, it looks, I mean, not that I'm a two-way expert, but it looks like they have kind of a tough road. Oh, it looks mm-hmm. like, so So Phillips could be at state, should be at state this year. Well, you're a pencil in it. I mean, yeah, they, they, they played really well in the public league final four. No offense to these other teams, but. Yeah, that that gets them in the state semis without if if they just hold form. Leo's the two seed in their sectional, so they meet them in the super. Yeah, Beecher, Beecher, Menonok or whatever. No, Beecher Phillips. Yeah, Beecher Phillips would be the super. You don't give Beecher a shot, huh? I mean, yeah, I give him a shot, but I'm just saying Phillips, I didn't realize Phillips was a favorite to be in Champaign until just right now. I hadn't looked at 2A. Mm -hmm. That's pretty wild. So they could be the only public league team. Ah, the public league's back. Yeah, we could have a public league. The 2A public league spot (laughs) is not over yet. Wow, that's... uh... Is there a chance for any public league in 3A? I'll top it. No. No. Really? No. For Champaign. No, I don't no. think so. No, that, that's going to be a festival of Catholic League, most likely. But we'll see if Kenwood or Curie can get through in 4A. But yeah, Phillips, wow. What a, what a take I had there. I didn't even know <laughs> they had a road to uh, I was thinking about next year. Well, that'll be well, really valuable for all that for that young team. And I wonder if any of those sophomore kids will come up because in the city tournament, you got to choose uh, where your kids are playing, but they'll, they'll have all of them available for the state tournament. So that'll be interesting. We start right. the podcast with Phillips and we end it with, Phillips. yeah, there all we right. go. A little two way bracket talk for everybody who says we don't uh, see, we dove right in live. Joe. Uh, thanks for listening. Everybody we will be back with uh, probably a regional preview, I guess next week. Cause we'll be into the playoffs. Have a good week.